Chapter Ten of Venus Boy by Lee Sutton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten, Alone in the Jungle. Johnny was afraid. Behind a boulder by New Plymouth Rock, he had been sitting and waiting for Baba for almost one hour. It was too long a time to wait with nothing to do but imagine what might happen in the jungle. Johnny was dressed for the cold night to come in a synthetic fur parka. Strapped on his back was a pack containing food and jungle equipment. Beside him was Baba's harness. He was very tired and sleepy. He leaned over and peeked cautiously from behind the boulder. The lights around the storage shed were still on. He wondered what was keeping Baba. He made himself comfortable again and listened to the night sounds. He listened hard for any sound of rhinosaurs outside. There was only the sigh of wind through the trampled marshberries. As he listened his head nodded down on his breast and his eyes closed. He wished Baba would come. Maybe he couldn't make it. Maybe he— But his thought trailed off into a dream. He was up in the meat-tree being attacked by a rhinosaur standing twice as high as the tree. Far away someone began shooting at the rhinosaur. Then the tree was being shaken back and forth. Baba was clicking something in the dream Johnny couldn't understand. "'Wake up, Johnny! Wake up!' Johnny's head jerked up. The shaking was real. It was Baba pushing his shoulder. The shooting was real, too. Men were running about the settlement with flashlights. It was hard to see for any distance through the green twilight which would last for many hours longer. "'Hurry, Johnny!' Baba clicked. "'Okay,' Johnny said. He was still dazed with sleep as he helped Baba struggle into his harness. As soon as the harness was on they began to run deeper among the boulders. Hundreds of small stones under their feet made a sound like a landslide. They stopped still, listening. The men had not heard. "'Maybe we'd better go straight up the main rock,' Johnny said. Baba nodded. Both knew it would be harder work, but safer. Johnny tested the straps on Baba's harness. There was no time to tie himself on. This time it was going to be harder for both of them. Baba didn't dare bounce, so they started right from the foot of the rock. In the half-light it was not likely that the men would see them. Even if they did there was a good chance they would hold their fire when they saw Johnny. If so the two of them would still get away. Oddly Johnny's fear was gone. From below them came the sound of a man moving among the rocks. "'Quiet, Baba!' Johnny whispered. Baba stopped. Jeb flashed his light among the rocks and up along the main rock. For a fraction of a second the light was full on them, but it passed without pausing. "'Nothing over here,' Jeb called out in a loud voice. "'Dang critter must have got clear away.' There was the sound of footsteps hurrying toward them. Johnny and Baba froze to the rock. "'Hey, you two, Jeb's voice came softly. "'I don't know what you're aiming to do, but you'd better hurry up about it. They're fixing to mount searchlights on the wall.' Johnny was flabbergasted. The old hunter was helping them. There was a chuckle from below. <laughs> "'Hurry up now. I don't want no more baby marvers a-hunting me like the one I told you about.' "'Thanks,' 
Johnny whispered. Golly, thanks. Come on, Baba, he clicked, turning his head back to the little bear. Baba began to scurry along up the rocks once more. Just one thing more, the whisper followed them. Ain't that clicking the way those critters got of talking? Yes, Johnny answered. I figured it, by gosh. Jeb chuckled deep in his throat. <laughs> I just knew you was fixin' up a getaway. Good luck, you two. Goodbye, Johnny said. You are a good man, Baba clicked. A true friend. Baba said you are a good man and a true friend, Johnny whispered. Thank you, Baba, the old man said. Then he was gone. Baba and Johnny began climbing in earnest now. Johnny couldn't let himself get tired. As silently as they could, they went on and on. They climbed for what seemed an hour. Actually, it was fifteen minutes later when they reached the ledge leading to the cave in the rock. They were barely inside when searchlights cut through the twilight and began to play on the rock. The two sat down to rest, but not for long. Soon they were tearing down the pile of rocks at the back of the cave so they could get into the main caverns. They had talked about staying the night within the inner rooms, but decided it was too dangerous. Sooner or later the colonists were bound to drop someone from a helicopter to search for Baba on top of the rock, and there was too great a chance the entrance would be discovered. Once inside the main caverns, the first job was to make their way through the long passageways to the top of the rock to block the entrance they had made earlier in the day. It took precious time, but they had to do it. They almost didn't make it, for as they were filling in the last stone at the cave mouth they heard the sound of copter motors. Johnny grabbed Baba's harness, and down the long winding passageways they went full tilt. Soon they were picking their way about the brush near the exit of the long, damp tunnel. Through the green twilight they could see the searchlights brightening New Plymouth Rock. Baba was sniffing the air. Johnny listened carefully for the sound of rhinosaurs or of tanks. There was no evidence of either man or animal. "'We made it, Grandfather Bear,' Johnny said aloud to Baba. "'You're safe!' Baba grinned. No rhinosaurs around either, he clicked. We'd better hurry. Let's stick close to trees for a while, just in case, Johnny suggested. Only heavy brush surrounded them. We'd better get to a tank path, Baba clicked, or we won't get very far very fast. Johnny nodded. He settled his pack on his shoulders and the two moved forward. Using Johnny's compass they cut through the brush and soon came to a tank path. It was very still. There was no sound but the wind rustling the trees. All around them were trees and brush and pools of deep green shadow. The first two miles were the easiest. In the absence of rhinosaurs there was nothing much to fear here but arrow birds, and they would soon be heading for their nests. Most of the Venus animals kept well away from the settlement. Twice a flight of arrow birds came shrieking down at them, and twice Baba's clicks sent them whirring on their way. Otherwise the jungle was empty of life. It was a relatively safe zone, but in order to make sure of Baba's safety they would have to go on into an area of teeming life. 
Johnny thought of the comfort and safety of the settlement, of the love and protection his parents had given him. He had left a note for his parents. I am sorry to take Baba away since he is worth so much to the colony, he had written, but he is just like a brother to me. Don't worry, I will be safe with Baba. He hoped they would understand. Though he had bravely told his parents not to worry, here in the jungle Johnny himself was already frightened and very homesick. Baba, he said suddenly, it's going to be hard being away from Mom and Pop. They were walking now through the thick grove of meat trees that edged a forest of diamond woods that loomed up in the distance. Yes, Baba clicked, I know. Well, I was thinking, Johnny continued, that after we find your people, maybe after a month or so, I could go back home. Later I could come for visits and things. Johnny watched Baba from the corners of his eyes to see how the little bear would take to the idea. For a while Baba bounced along beside Johnny, his eyes straight ahead. I know what it's like being without a mother and father, the little bear clicked so softly Johnny could hardly hear him. It happened long ago, but I remember how it was at first. I can't bear to think of your going away, but we will see what happens." Baba turned toward Johnny. I think you shouldn't have come. Johnny was sorry for having brought up the subject. Let's skip it, he said. Don't be an unhappy old grandfather bear, he choked. Think about the nuts you'll find right ahead. The nuts were not really very close. It took a good deal of hiking before the tank trail began to wind among gigantic trees. Bigger than earth redwoods, they rose almost like mountains around them. Here even the wind did not enter, and beneath their feet was a cushion of fine leaves. All was silence. Johnny was glad to rest his feet while Baba gathered a few nuts. Then they trudged on. Hours later they emerged from the darkness of the diamond wood forest into the green twilight of the surrounding meat trees. Johnny was exhausted. A sudden coughing roar in the distance sent a shiver up Johnny's back and brought them to an abrupt halt. It was a saber-toothed leopard. Johnny heard a slight stir of movement in the underbrush. About them birds of all kind twittered and chirped, readying themselves for the long darkness of Venus night. They were out of the safety zone. Though many hours had gone by, it was still Venus evening. He and Baba had to push on into the deadly part of the jungle before they could rest. The leopard's roar had come from far away, and there was no immediate danger. But from that time on the two watched every step they took. A faint breeze blew in their faces. That was good. Johnny's scent would not be blown to any of the animals. Johnny set his voice to click, not to speak. He had to try to forget human speech and talk always like Baba. He spoke to Baba constantly in the Marva language, and Baba corrected him when he let his clicks become high-pitched as Baba's once had been. The meat tree grove was thinning out. The tank tracks were getting fainter and fainter. Vines wound around the trees and bushes. On the vines great orange flowers seemed to burn with color in the green light. 
Johnny watched the flowers carefully because one might really be a scarlet ape. Men called these flowers monkey flowers, since they were so near the color of those small apes that lived on the edge of meat tree groves. As the two adventurers walked, the noises of animals became louder and more numerous. A large bird fluttered across their path and went shrieking ahead of them. Then there was sudden silence. They stopped. Baba hurriedly clicked louder into the silence. Friend pets, friend pets, brother. He did not have time to finish the sentence. Johnny was struck suddenly on the back and sent sprawling on his face. A hundred tiny hands seemed to be pulling at his hair. He felt a rip of cloth and then a sharp pain as a small claw cut into his back. Baba was clicking loudly. As suddenly as he was struck down the attack on him stopped. Dazed he painfully got to his hands and knees. Friend pets, bother us not, bother us not. Baba was repeating over and over again as loudly as he could. Johnny's eyes widened. Surrounding them were hundreds of tiny monkeys, no more than eight inches high. Scarlet red in color, they sat perfectly still, their eyes fixed on Johnny and Baba. Sitting high on a nearby bush, one of the little apes held a packet of Johnny's food in its tiny hands. Johnny stood up to his full height, and a low growl went up from the animals. The monkey with Johnny's packet hurled it at Johnny with surprising strength. Johnny made a quick catch. Thank you, Johnny clicked in the marva tongue. The monkeys chattered excitedly. Thank you, friend pet. Give it something, Baba clicked. Oh, I'm afraid, Johnny. They hate you so much I can feel it. Johnny knew why. The skins of these animals were much in fashion for coats back on earth. Johnny reached down for his knife to cut the strings of the packet. As the knife came in sight a menacing growl went up. As Johnny and Baba stood there more and more of the monkeys leaped from the bushes to join the crowd. The whole path was covered. The trees seemed to be filled with red flowers. Some of the newcomers were intent upon rushing Johnny when the knife glittered in the half-light. But Baba stopped them with his sharp repeated commands. Johnny cut the packet open. Among other things a large bag of candy was inside. He had raided the cupboard well. "'Come here,' Johnny clicked as firmly as he could manage. "'Friend pet, come here.' He pointed at the little creature who had thrown the package at him. Showing its teeth and growling faintly, the monkey bounded forward. Johnny held out a piece of candy to it. It sidled up, snatched the candy, and ran back to the others. It sniffed at the sweet, chattering wildly. Then its long black tongue went out and licked it. The monkey's eyes widened and it popped the candy into its mouth, smacking its lips. Again Johnny was almost knocked down. He was surrounded, climbed over, patted, peered at, and deafened by chatter. In a few seconds not a piece was left. But the monkeys no longer growled. "'Go away, go away,' Baba clicked. Reluctantly the animals parted from Johnny and took to the trees along the path. The branches swayed under them as they chattered among themselves. 
Suddenly, as quickly and mysteriously as they had appeared, the monkeys were gone. Something was wrong. Johnny's fear returned with the sense that something was watching him. Hardly daring to, he looked behind him. There in the half-darkness glowed three pairs of green eyes. Crouched, ready to spring, a leopardess was watching them, her two cubs beside her. How long had they been watching, Johnny never knew. He froze in his tracks. Baba had not looked around. Friend, pets, bother us not, bother us not. Baba was clicking loudly in preparation for going forward. As Johnny watched, the leopard, followed by her cubs, slipped into the jungle. You didn't see her, Johnny clicked. There was a leopardess and two cubs. Baba turned in the direction toward which Johnny was pointing. We'd better go back, he clicked. No, Johnny insisted bravely. She and her cubs went away when you began to talk. Not far away, Baba sniffed the air. I can smell them. I smell rain, too. Then we'd better find shelter. Come on. Maybe we'd better take a path over to the right, away from the tank trail, Johnny suggested. The leopardess went the other way. Baba nodded. They trudged on and took the first animal trail to the right. Baba went slightly ahead, crying, Friend, pets, bother us not, over and over again. It was almost a chorus now. Most of the time Baba clicked it, but when he got tired Johnny took over for a while. They never ceased repeating the magical words. Once an antelope walked by their sides a few yards off, but he soon bounded away. Shortly afterward Johnny thought he saw a large black shadow moving in the deep brush. They walked steadily and found nothing but brushland. Then, not a hundred yards from them, a river shone through the deepening twilight. The shine of the water stopped them. They had proved they could control some of the animals, possibly even the leopards and rhinosaurs. But if a river snake struck without warning, as the monkeys had done, it would be the end of Johnny. While Johnny stood where he was, Baba went forward, chanting the cry of, Bother us not, as he went. When he returned he looked worried. It is too dangerous to try to swim, he clicked. In some places the branches of the trees on this side almost touch branches of the trees on the other. If we keep on the path maybe we can find a place where it would be safe to climb over. The path they were on turned and followed the river. They walked on for a few minutes. Baba stopped again, sniffing the air. I don't like it, he clicked. The leopards are close again. They moved forward cautiously, but when minutes passed and no attack came they walked with more confidence. The magic formula of clicks seemed to be working. Though nothing bothered them they knew from rustling noises and from cries that animals were all about them. Nowhere could they find a place where the tree branches made a bridge across the river. Nowhere could they find a place of refuge. The trail began to lead away from the river toward a little hill that stood in black outline against the almost darkened sky. Big Venus fireflies had begun to come out, sparkling like so many blue stars. The two weary travelers followed the path, hoping it would lead back to the river. 
It ended completely at the base of the small rocky hill. So tired he almost wanted to cry, Johnny sat down in the middle of the path. Then he noticed a spot of deeper darkness among the rocks. He jumped to his feet. "'Hey, Baba,' he said. "'It looks like a cave. Come on.' The two of them hurried forward. A nice, comfortable cave was just what they were looking for. They were within a few yards of the cave when they heard a crashing noise from the underbrush and the pad of soft footsteps. A leopardess leaped in front of them, cutting them off from the cave. The big cat growled low, and two cubs scuttled through the entrance. The leopardess sat back on her haunches in the mouth of the cave, her eyes two gold-green lights burning in the dark green of the late twilight. Slightly larger than an earth lion, the Venus saber-tooth leopard is coal-black marked with golden spots. Her two tusk-like fangs show why leopards are among the most deadly fighters of all the Venus animals. Baba began clicking again. Johnny stood stock-still. The leopardess watched them. She looked as if she might spring at any moment. Then, with a ripple of her powerful shoulder muscles, she lay down in the mouth of the cave. "'Let's go before she changes her mind and attacks,' Johnny said. "'No, wait,' Baba said. "'You stay here.' Slowly Baba walked up to the spot where the big cat was lying, clicking as he went. She appeared to pay no attention to him. But when he was right beside her she stood up. She made a low rumbling in her throat that sounded strangely like a purr. When Baba paused the leopardess made a little coughing sound. The two cubs, who were as large as collie dogs, came tumbling out of the cave, their tongues hanging out. They came up to Baba, cocking their heads. They rubbed themselves in a friendly way against the little bear. "'Come on, Johnny,' Baba clicked. I think we have a home." His heart in his mouth, Johnny walked forward. "'Friend, pet,' he clicked firmly, "'I am your friend.' Repeating this, he walked straight up to the deadly beast. He reached out a trembling hand and patted the ugly, fanged head. The creature stood rigid. But as he patted her she relaxed, and the purring noise began in the back of her throat. The big head moved around. Her mouth opened slightly, and she licked his hand. She made a little coughing noise, and the cubs came up to him. He petted them, too, and looked at Baba. "'Come on,' said the little bear. "'Let's see what the leopard's house is like.' Together the two explored the inside of the cave with the help of Johnny's flashlight. It was surprisingly clean. The big cat had dragged in straw, which was arranged thickly over part of the floor. "'It sure looks like you would make a good bed,' Johnny said. He was so tired, so much had happened. Trader Harkness and the meat fruit, the climbing of the New Plymouth Rock, the rhinosaur raid and Rick's betrayal, and the entrance into the jungle. Johnny ate a few antelope berries to quench his thirst, but nothing more. He arranged a place for himself on the dry grass and curled up. He was almost asleep when he heard the big cat come into that part of the cave. He opened his eyes to see the saber-toothed leopard looming over him. For a second he was afraid. 
Then, just as the house cat will do, she pushed her paws back and forth into the straw, circled a few times, and lay down right by his head, pushing him aside. He rearranged his bed and lay his head against her soft flank. With his head pillowed against a saber-toothed leopard, Johnny Watson slipped off to sleep. End of chapter 10